This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Monday morning, not quite the Monday morning we wanted here, but we've got one for you on the Black and Blue Report. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. Welcome into the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Kind of a rainy, gloomy Monday, not just weather-wise, but of course after what happened with the Saints and the Pelicans both yesterday in their respective games. We're going to talk about both of those situations. Uh, We're going to talk about tonight's game for the Pelicans against the uh, Grizzlies and uh, and hopefully uh, kind of make sense of it all and, and work our way through it and and we'll do so with two good guests today, that's for sure. John DeShazer, as always, on a Monday morning, recapping the Saints who lost to the Lions yesterday, 28-13. to He'll join us on his way to uh, the locker room today. And we'll also visit with Eric Hasseltine of the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies come in here tonight, uh, banged up, beat up, but the winners of a couple in a row. And uh, they'll take on a Pelicans team that lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder last night. Russell Westbrook had his fifth straight triple-double. Anthony Davis scored 37, Buddy Hield at 16, but in the end, it was the Thunder winning their fifth straight game overall, their longest win streak now this season, and the Pelicans have now lost four of their last five, but come back to the Smoothie King Center where they've won um, five of their last six, so we'll see how that plays out, and we'll talk with Eric Hasseltine about the Grizzlies and tonight's matchup in depth here upcoming. So, yesterday, a loss for the Saints, obviously, at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, and then the loss for the Pelicans last night. That doesn't make for a very good Monday, but we'll make the most of it and get our week started uh, in earnest. Here in just a moment, we'll hear from Saints head coach Sean Payton, who uh, visited with the media this Monday morning. Yesterday, coach had some thoughts, obviously, after the game. We'll hear what he has to say here in a moment, uh, some 24 hours later. And uh, keep in mind, the Saints now, with four to go, have two against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who uh, were winners again yesterday in what proved to be kind of an interesting day, uh, good, bad, or indifferent uh, in the NFC South. Atlanta loses in shocking fashion to the Kansas City Chiefs. That allows Tampa Bay, who again took care of business, to slide up and join them at the top of this division. And meanwhile, Carolina gets blown out last night in a game that saw Cam Newton benched for the start of it uh, due to the fact that he reportedly didn't wear a tie on the team plane and violated team rules and therefore uh, was not able to uh, run out there and start the football game at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. And then the Saints yesterday uh, losing to the Lions at home. So kind of a crazy day in the division. With that being said, let's listen in now to what Saints head coach Sean Payton had to say uh, earlier today to the media on the Monday following the Lions loss. Uh, Sean, when you, when you looked at the film, anything, anything jump out at you that didn't after the game? Yeah, I mean, a few things. I think, first off, um, I thought offensively, seven snaps in the first quarter. You get some early third and one opportunities. We got a fumbled shotgun snap, or, you know, we don't get the shotgun snap on the first third and third down situation. The next one, we come up short uh, on a running play. Uh, and, you know, here we are after the first quarter with seven snaps first half we're at 19 snaps before we get to the two minutes so our our third numbers in the first half were two of six um which wasn't good defensively there there were some good things on tape now the thing that's a concern was the third and long situations you know they were three of six on third and ten or more with a touchdown and a 28 yard average and it's been uh it's been that down in distance for us defensively we've we've got to improve on I thought the special teams covered well. Morstead, uh, I thought up until the last punt, did a good job changing field positions. Um, so there were some things that were in, were encouraging, uh, but mainly offensively, we weren't able to generate any type of momentum or rhythm uh, that was evident. And when you play a game like that, you look down at your call sheet and uh, two-thirds of your running game you haven't gotten to or your play-action passing game. Um, so the time of possession was tilted heavily in their favor, and, and the, that, that really uh, was clear when you watched the game in its entirety. Sean, why did you guys spike the, spike the ball with two seconds left? Say it again. Why did you guys uh, spike the ball and try to get that touchdown there at the end of the game? 
Well, I think you're 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 going. I mean, I think you're trying to score. Uh, you know, we're in a mindset when that drive starts where we're going to try to score and get back onside kick. Um, and I think that's clearly the competitive nature of everyone on the field. And uh, we talked a lot about you know LRB this year, and, and you had a lot of praise before the season. But how do you think he's played since he's been out there? You know what? Uh, I think there's some things on tape now. I, th I think that we're real encouraging. Uh, there were a handful of plays we can clean up, uh, but I think it's it's definitely benefited our defense. He's back in the lineup. He runs well. Um, you know, he hasn't had the snap totals now. The rest of these guys have had, but he, he's been a reason we played better on that side of the ball. Sean, you talked about uh, coming out looking like almost like it was a short week of rest. That, that energy conversation, it's so hard to – I don't know yeah, I, you know, the thing you've got to be careful with that is defensively, I thought we played with energy. I think offensively, there's there's an element in there, and I told the team today, when you're watching the tape, there's an element of execution that shows up more than energy. Um, so that all being said, it, it's frustrating when it's sloppy. You know, when when, when you, you, you don't get a shotgun snap correctly, you, you fail on a third down and one. Um, so I would describe more of it as the execution early on, especially on those third downs, and which led to the time of possession in the first half. So it's sort of in review, if that's what you just said, you don't think energy was a big no, issue? No, I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I was frustrated, certainly, with how sloppy it was. And But watching the tape and watching us, watching us play defensively, watching us in the kicking game, and watching us offensively, I mean, guys are, are – uh, are, are are playing with great effort, and yet it was just uh, the antithesis of, of how we want it to look. It wasn't sharp. Um, you know, we, we did a, a number of things to to hurt ourselves. We had eight penalties offensively. Um, those, those are things that we've got to we've got to have cleaned up by this time of the year. And 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 when you turn the ball over, look when you have those penalties and you're first and twenty, you're uh, you're you're putting yourself in a hole, or all of a sudden there's a uh, a drive where you're starting backed up because of a penalty or because of a a delay, and those are all things that that hurt your uh, chances of of having a successful drive. And just uh, one of those other defensive players who's come back, Sheldon Rankins. Uh, what about his uh, you know talents make him a fit uh, on the edge sometimes? On the edge. Oh, yeah, he's played a little defensive end. Yeah, but he's playing defensive end in a three-down package. So when you look at where his rush goes, um, that being said, he, he's we see him as a, a real good, versatile defensive tackle. Um, you get in some situations where you play a three-down package, you, you rotate basically a linebacker there to become the, the fourth rusher. Um, I, I like the way he's playing. With uh, Tampa winning yesterday, it kind of becomes a situation this week where if you guys don't win, you're three games back with three to go. How much is that kind of presented to the to the team in any way? Well, I think right now it's there's some understoods or givens, you know, and and what's understood and what's given is that you're 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 left with four games. Uh, the focus will be on Tampa Bay, and and we're going to have to play well not only. In this game, we're going to have to play well on the road down the stretch here. So um, that's really where the focus is. What does this offense uh, miss without Josh Hill? Uh, that's a good question. I I would say there's a handful of things. There's versatility that he gives you at tight end position. There's versatility uh, that he gives you when he's playing in line at the Y. There's a handful of things. Do you feel comfortable with uh, the guys you have on your practice squad, Garrett Griffin or Jake Stoneburner, potentially? Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I feel comfortable with the tight ends that we have on our active roster right now. We, we started the season with two for the early part of the year. So we'll, we'll see how we, the roster shapes up and what we want to do. Can you, can you confirm there was a no, report? No, I'm not confirming Josh. anything. All right, Saints head coach Sean Payton's thoughts there on this Monday. We'll get John DeShazer's thoughts on this Monday after we take our first timeout on this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. 
New Orleans. Don't miss the most intense motocross racing on the planet. Coming to the Smoothie King Center, Amsoil Arena Cross. It's in-your-face adrenaline that you have to experience live. Tickets start at $15 to witness in-your-face action. Get your tickets at arenacross.com. Prices subject to market demand. Additional fees apply. Amsoil Arena Cross. Fueled by Monster Energy. March 11th at the Smoothie King Center. Motocross. More intense. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. This holiday season, give the gift of New Orleans Pelicans basketball to that special sports fan in your life. The Pelicans Holiday Plan, presented by Tomino's, lets you pick four games to stick under the tree. Guarantee great seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one-topping pizza from Domino's. Visit pelicans.com to check another name off that holiday shopping list today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Let's uh, let's dive in a little deeper here on our Saints conversation for this Monday after yesterday's loss to the Lions, 28-13. We're able to catch up with John DeShazer as we normally do on Monday morning. He uh, joins us via telephone uh, here on BBR. And, uh, John, I don't think uh, that... Yesterday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome was much fun. I did not get to participate as I was with the basketball team, but the final score and what I was able to view on television, uh, tough Sunday for Saints and Saints fans alike. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody disputes the fact that it was a lethargic performance by the Saints. Um, you know, coaches, players, you know, I think it was Daryl Tapp who essentially said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, you know, I don't know what that was. And I don't think any of us know exactly what that was. That was, I would say, in totality, the worst game the Saints had played this season. Uh, not just, you know, final score-wise. I mean, it just didn't seem to be there. You know, whatever the it is, the, the verb, the fervor, uh, was not there in the beginning. And, and, you know, Coach Payton, that was one of the first things he said, you know, hey, I don't, I don't know why it wasn't there. It's my fault that it wasn't there, but I don't know why it wasn't there. But, you know, they did not play like a team that was, as desperate as they are or were in terms of trying to get to the playoffs. So, you know, you, you know, you get what you deserve in, in professional sports, you know, you get what you put into it. And the Saints certainly didn't put what it put into it, or what you would expect them to put into it on a day like that against that kind of opponent at home uh, with a chance to really uh, make a mark. I mean, you know, they, they had an opportunity gain some ground in the NFC South, and rather than gain some ground, they stay exactly where they are now. You know, mathematically, they're still in it, but when you start saying stuff like mathematically they're still in it, then you that tells you exactly what the desperation of the situation is and how dire it is. John, that's heavy blame that the Saints are placing upon themselves. Do the Lions get credit for making the Saints look like they did yesterday? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Detroit's a good team. They're 8-4. and four. They lead the NFC North Division. Uh, they're probably going to win that division. Uh, they, You know, prior to Sunday, every game they played had been decided by seven points or less. They had won seven of those games, so they are a battle-tested, tough team. Um, look, they're good defensively. Uh, Matt Stafford is playing extremely well. Now, his numbers you know, in totality, don't suggest it. He's probably right around 3,000 yards or so. But Matt Stafford's having an outstanding season. I think he's now at um, maybe 21 touchdowns and only five interceptions or something like that. So, you know, he's having a great season. Uh, they spread the ball around. They can't run the ball. They don't even pretend that they can run the ball. They ran it 23 times for 85 yards on Sunday. But they spread it around. They dink and dunk you. The short passing game kind of, kind of, you know, supplants their running game and they're able to move the ball. They possessed the ball yesterday against the Saints basically 37 minutes to the Saints 23. That's a ton of time of possession. 
So Detroit is a really good football team, and yet, you know, the Saints at home, you know, have not been, you know, quote-unquote unstoppable, but they've been really good, especially offensively. The defense has been coming on, so you just didn't expect that kind of, you know, performance, uh, a flat performance, uh, a performance that was, you know, void of, like I said, it just didn't have that jump to it that, that we expected to see. John, did the, did the Saints defense give them a, a fighting chance? You know, every time I turned around, it was another Matt Prater field goal attempt for Detroit. And, and I couldn't help but think that, you know, even in that ball control situation that Detroit had going, if they're settling for field goals, I, I kind of like your chances. That's kind of the way I felt. Well, the defense played fine. I mean, until the really until the 66-yard touchdown pass to to Matt Staff for Matt Staff at the Golden Tate, uh, which obviously that was a blown assignment. Coach Payton said it was a safety, and I think the safety on that play was Juan Bell, who got sucked to the inside, didn't get over the top, and you know Golden Tate standing alone basically on the sideline in front of the Detroit bench, and then catching run for 66 yards. But you know, other than that, yeah, when they kick five field goals. Uh, for the Saints, that's essentially a couple of touchdowns. And you believe the Saints offense can get it going. And they never really got on track. And I think a lot of that had to do with Detroit just maintaining possession. Now, the Saints defense, you know, look, Matt Stafford had a fantastic day. Um, passes for 327 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, percentage, you know, completion percentage was probably right around 70%. So, yeah, but they held them out of the end zone. You know, Detroit was one out of five. A red zone, and that's spectacular for any defense. So they did their job in that respect. They did give up the huge explosive play, yes, but they had been on the field for such an amount of time, and they had fought and scratched and clawed and given the offense a chance, and the offense just didn't come around for them. So, you know, yeah, the defense did finally break. You know, they bent, 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 and finally broke, and they just didn't get enough help offensively to be able to withstand it. And we've seen a lot of times this season where that was the opposite, the opposite side, where the offense scored plenty enough and the defense gave up some points. But look, these last six, seven games, very little fault can be found with Dennis Allen's defense. Uh, they've given up some yards, but they hadn't given up a ton of points considering you know what they need to get, what they expect to get out of the Saints offense. You expect that this Saints defense only allows you know, 20 to 24 points. That would be plenty good enough home or road for the Saints to be in position to win a game and and win more than their more than you know their fair share of them, but yesterday you know they they held strong for as long as they could until they finally had that that mix up that one mistake, and that's the one that turned out to bite them. But look, you you can't find a lot of fault with what happened defensively. Uh, I would imagine that anybody goes through that locker room, that offense, all those guys on that offense, they take a lot of pride in what they do they'll point the finger at themselves and say, we let our defense down. Drew Brees said as much at the end of the game. He said, look, the defense gave us plenty of three and outs. They give us plenty of opportunities to hold them to the field goals to be able to get something going, and the, and the offense just didn't get it going. John, aside from being flat, what failed the Saints offense the most? Well, I mean, they turned it over three times, and the, and the last one really, you know, that's a, that's a nothing turnover. That's an you know, a, a interception in the end zone at the end of the game on the last play when the game's decided. But those other two interceptions hurt. Uh, ten penalties, you know, hurt. Now, a couple of them came defensively, obviously. But, you know, they had a couple that set them behind the sticks when they seemed to might maybe have a, have a good chance of moving the ball and, and climbing back into the game and getting it done. But if you have penalties and you have turnovers and you're playing against a team that's as good as Detroit is right now, and Detroit's a really good team, then you, you can't win that game. I mean, but, you know, it's going to be difficult to win whether you're playing against Detroit, which is a good team, or whether you're playing against Cleveland, which is a winless team. If you turn it over and you don't force turnovers and you commit penalties and they commit half as many penalties as you do, I think Detroit committed four and the Saints committed ten, that's a recipe for disaster. If you can't protect the football and hold on to the football and they've got a time of possession advantage, of 37 minutes to 23 minutes, that's a recipe for disaster. That's, that's you know, you can look it up anywhere, and those are numbers that are going to say, that are going to scream you don't win the game. And, and that's just the way it is for the Saints. I mean, you know, for a team that knew coming into the season or knew it, certainly after weeks two or three that they would have to play 
really clean football in order to be in position to win. When they don't play clean, this is the kind of result you'll get, and then you don't get the the you know the fire that you would you would hope to see. You don't get the the result obviously that you would hope to see. So, you know, yesterday they got exactly. They'll, I'm sure they'll tell you to a man they got what they deserved. It wasn't a situation where a kick ends up losing the game for you, or something fluky happens that ends up losing the game for you, or you know you turn it over three times, you commit ten penalties. Uh, you don't get off the field enough on third down. You give up that one explosive play. All of those numbers add up to you not winning the game. John, if I can, you know, lean on the Bill Parcells comment, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, your record says what you are. Uh, are the Saints truly what they are, five and seven with four to go? Well, yeah. I mean, we can we – can, you know, sing platitudes to how well they played, how they played close games, how they, you know, probably still have the number one offense in the league and how they averaged 30 points a game and how they're playing well defensively lately. And, you know, all those things are true. But the bottom line of it is, you know, Bill Parcells, you know, nobody ever said it better. You are what your record says you are. Your record says you're five and seven. And so, Anything nice and positive and wonderful you can say, it still comes down to that bottom line. We have the number one offense in the league. Yeah, but we're five and seven. Uh, with, you know, the defense is playing real well lately. Yeah, but we're five and seven. Uh, we, you know, we're so and so in the plus minus. Yeah, but we're five and seven. It all comes down to that. That's the cold hard fact of it. One loss record is what it is, and it says exactly who you are. I go back to a conversation that you had with Zach Streif in the locker room uh, this past week, John, and, and he was quick to point out to say that we have not been very good, we being the Saints, have not been very good after we've had a, a dynamite game or a big win. And, and and I couldn't help but think of that over and over again last night. I, I don't know if it struck you, but it makes you think a little bit about the way this team uh, handles prosperity and, and handles desperation too. Yeah, I mean exactly. I mean he would know best, you know, better than any of us. He's been here since 2006, and he's seen some explosive offensive games. And then he knows exactly what he's talking about when he said we hadn't followed those up. You know, we haven't often followed them up with another clean, explosive offensive game, and that was exactly the case yesterday. Again, you know, you hate to take anything away from Detroit because, again, it, it's it bears repeating. Detroit is a really good team. They played some really good defense this season. Uh, they play close games. They don't let games get away from them. They don't play 35 to 34 kind of games. You know, they're in the 24 to 21 kind of range, that kind of thing. So they do exactly what they do, and they did it exactly. They did it extremely well yesterday. But, you know, the fact of the matter is the Saints have not handled it well when they played well and come back to play the next week. They haven't done it particularly well over this, you know, 11-year stretch, as Zach Street says now. Yeah, you go back to 09 and 11 and, you know, some of those really good years where they've strung together some good ones. But actually he's saying, look, we've had, you know, we've had times where we've had those big games and oftentimes we hadn't followed them up with those kind of big games. It's, you know, it would be foolish to expect 49 points on back-to-back weeks and that kind of thing. But what he's saying basically is the efficiency hadn't been there. Uh, maybe the urgency hasn't been there. You know, the things that have been missing and maybe, yeah, they've probably won after they had played some of those games, obviously, but it hadn't been as efficient or as clean or as, you know, full of life or, or whatever you want to call it. And so that's, I think, what he was talking about, and that's exactly what it seemed like yesterday. Give me an idea about this week. Tampa Bay is next, and they're uh, they're playing well, John. This this doesn't get any easier, obviously, and, and you use the word mathematically still alive. Still alive is something to hang on to, but, boy, this is going to be difficult here on out. Well, this is not as a, a bad Tampa Bay team. You know, they're tied for the division lead now all of a sudden. And so, you know, they look, you know, pretty good. I mean, they they are hanging in there and doing exactly what, you know, you you thought they would do eventually. Now, I think, you know, maybe, they, maybe they're even a year early, but they're 7-5 and five and they're tied for the division lead. And they don't look like they are a flukish team. You know, they they went on the road. They went at home, playing them in Tampa. Uh, you, you remember last year, Jameis Winston was a rookie quarterback and beat the Saints in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. 
So they are fully capable, obviously, of beating the Saints on the road in Tampa, especially when they have so much to play for. You expect to see them play with some sense of urgency, and it's a division game. So you know the knowledge of them, you know the knowledge of the opponent is a little bit more. And so division games usually are tighter games. They're harder fought games. It's difficult to pull away from a division opponent. But they're the team that has a ton to play for and a lot more than the Saints because the Saints need a whole lot of help if they want to do anything talking about playoffs, whereas Tampa Bay is in a position where it holds its future in its hands probably. So it's looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, a win here, and we get exactly what, you know, we're, we're exactly where we want to be, whereas the Saints are saying, okay, we need to win this one, and we need this to happen, and we need that to happen. But you would see, I certainly would expect that the Saints would come out with a better effort, you know, level than you than we saw on Sunday. I think, you know, the, the juice won't be missing or won't be void early in the game. I, I think they'll come out and you'll see a different team emotionally and a different team looking physically. You know, whether that adds up to a win in Tampa, I don't know, but I certainly expect them to look better and to, and to have a little bit more of a sense of urgency or a little bit more of appearance of urgency. And I don't want to say a sense of urgency that they were lacking because they play a tough game and those guys prepare all week. And I'm sure they don't, they don't probably feel like they lacked urgency, but it certainly, you know, seemed to be lacking something. And when Coach Sean Payton basically said after the game, look, it wasn't there. You know, you know, it, the, the 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 zest wasn't there. Then he would know better than anybody. You know, we can say it and we can see it, but when the coach says it and when the players admit it, then you know that it's a problem. There's something that's got to be addressed, and hopefully, it won't be a problem that will have to be addressed after the next game. John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com with us here on the Black and Blue Report. John, two quick things here before I let you go on this Monday morning. Uh, number one, if memory serves me right, Drew Brees had thrown a touchdown pass at home in every game since, I think, 2009 up until yesterday. That's a jarring stat for me. Yeah, 60 straight games. So that tells you, you know, really about uh, his efficiency and, and the Saints offense and what they've been able to do at home. And they hadn't won all those games, obviously, in some of those games. You know, in fact, they've been on a, on a lopsided bad end. But, you know, they've been able to produce offensively. Uh, and so yesterday, yeah, it it, it, jar, it shocked you a little bit. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, that's that's a heck of a streak right there to have 60 straight games at home where you're throwing the touchdown pass at least one. That's a lot of prosperity. So that tells you a lot about the Saints offense. Without a doubt. Hey, let me lean on your uh, your your newspaper roots here and ask you for a little sidebar uh, before we wrap up our conversation. Yesterday did have a positive vibe with the All 50th team uh, introduced and uh, participating in in Sunday's festivities. John, what was that like for you to uh, to witness that yesterday? Well, it was pretty cool. I mean, they brought them out at halftime, and you know, really, you you see some guys and. You know, you you know, as the years pass and, and you get space between their years of playing and those kinds of things, you just kind of forget, you know, what a player some of those guys were. Uh, you just forget, you know, some of the things that they were able to do to contribute to the franchise. I mean, seeing a guy like Jim Wilkes, you know, you forget the contributions he made. As I think, I think Jimmy Wilkes was like a 12th round draft pick. Don't hold me to that, but I think he was like a 12th round draft pick, and really was unheralded for a long time, but, you know, you'd always hear the coaches talk about what he meant to that defensive line and what he meant to that defense in totality. And you see guys like that, and you see the Pat Swillings and, and Ricky Jacksons, and you see the Marcus Colson. So, you know, you, you forget exactly how great a player a lot of those guys were until you see them, and then, you know, the memories come fresh to you. You were a big part of that process, John. Uh, did yesterday – and the culmination of that all 50th team, did that did that bring you a sense of satisfaction as as a project well done? Yeah, I mean, you obviously you you know you get nostalgic about the guys who are on the team who obviously are no longer no longer with us. You know, the Will Smiths and the Hokie Gaijons and and the Sam Millses. So you know that that brings that makes it a little bit more melancholy. But I, I think you know from the committee and you know, everybody who had handed. I think it was really a, a good job, well done, uh, some really good picks and, and appropriate because of you know the, the contributions those guys made to the franchise on the field. I think I think it was a pretty good, a pretty good assembly of talent.
Outstanding stuff, J.D. Uh, of course, the All-50th, not so much with the game yesterday. I'll look forward to seeing you tonight uh, for the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get a get a win out of this somewhere here along the way. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing uh, seeing the Pels and the Grizzlies. You know, the Grizzlies always play the Pels tough, and, and they make it you know a strain because of the way they play. But hopefully the Pels uh, will, will be ready to win this one. And unfortunately, they, they've lost a couple, and the Saints lost one. So it's been a bad weekend all around. So let's see if we can turn this thing around and start anew today. I agree. I agree. We'll do that. And we'll also preview tonight's game against the Grizzlies with the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Eric Castletine, right after this. Stay with us. The Black and Blue Report continues. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Billy Joel, the first New Orleans solo arena performance since 2004. Friday, February 10th at Smoothie King Center. Reserve seats on sale now at Ticketmaster. Friday, February 10th. Don't miss Billy Joel at Smoothie King Center. Live in New Orleans. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Let's turn our attention to the Smoothie King Center tonight where the Pelicans will host the Memphis Grizzlies. These two teams played an overtime game uh, earlier this season and Memphis prevailed and here Memphis rolls in with a a decent record (laughs) despite another slew of injuries. I, I can't think of two teams more bit by the injury bug than than Memphis and New Orleans over the last couple of years. Eric Hasseltine knows full well what's going on with them, and he's kind enough to join us here on the Black and Blue Report. The voice of the Grizzlies is is in New Orleans, ready for tonight's game. And Eric, it's always great to have you. I appreciate you doing this for us. Well, you know, I do it any time, and I, I prefer to call it an injury uh, tiger because it, it passed a bug <laughs> a long time. Those bites are a little bigger than than a mosquito bite it's it's been crazy and i know for your team as well and you know i i i've always respected the the way that um the pelicans have gone out and just handled it because there's nothing you can do about it and last year for the grizzlies it was just uh, it was one after the other you know it was an nba record 28 players on a roster they still somehow got into the postseason but they had no chance whatsoever in their first round matchup and you rarely hear Greg Popovich go, yeah, we're just better than they are. But at the end of the series, he just he looked at everybody and he's just, come on. You know, they fought. you got to give that team all the credit in the world for what they did. But they didn't have the horses to run this race, and, and that's through no fault of their own. And I, I was just, like, stunned that he said it. But it was true, and it was honest. And so, you know, we look forward to this year, Sean, and we thought, all right, this will be fine. Mike Conley's injury was an Achilles strain last year and, and one that he could have played. If there was hope that they felt like they could have moved forward, he could have played. But as Vince Carter told me in the preseason, he said, if he would have tried to play, we were all going to tackle him because everybody knew the money that was going to be thrown around this offseason. 
and Mike was going to get paid. And as everybody knows, he did. And so we weren't as concerned about the recurring injuries as a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the predictors and the pundits and the national talking heads that said, hey, this may not even be a playoff team this year. And I thought, that's crazy. They they were easily on their way to 50 wins last year with this group, and they may be even a little bit better. But one of the key pieces that made them better, Chandler Parsons, you have to be worried about that injury. So I, I got that part. But having Mark Gasol and Mike Conley, I thought this is going to, you know, they're going to surprise a lot of people. And they were on their way doing that until Mike just takes a, a freak injury. It had nothing to do with what happened last year. And, you know, takes a charge, lands backwards into somebody's knee and breaks a vertebrae in his back. And you're just like, you got to be kidding me. And then with Parsons, uh, you know, still trying to get his knees right. And, you know, the Zach Randolph situation where his mother passes away. Uh, unexpectedly, and he was very close to her, so they're giving him time for bereavement. And then James Ennis, who's been starting for the team, just kind of straining a calf muscle. You're looking around and going, "All right, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this, this isn't right." So um, it's been tough. Vince Carter's banged up right now; he's got a hip injury, uh, and Brandon Wright hasn't really even seen the floor this year. So, uh, in a move that you know they're they're trying to help hold it together. They're going to sign a former Pelican and Tony Douglas uh, today and, and have him come in to try to help solidify a point guard position that's now being manned by two rookies. And you and I both know that's an awfully difficult position to have just two inexperienced guys running your team. So we'll see how that helps out. Yeah, we know how Tony Douglas has uh, taken advantage of these situations in a good way. And, and Eric, you know, you, you ran down the list. And, and as I told it up the other day, being Saturday, six guys listed as out for your game with the Lakers, yet you won yep. by three. And, and 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 that's astounding to me. Yeah, David Fisdale's done a tremendous job and, and really has shown why we believe he's going to be a very, very good head coach for a long time. You know, they, they call themselves the nasty nine and, and they've done it two games in a row. As you said, they beat Orlando and then beat Los Angeles. Granted, both at home. Granted, both teams. I don't think will be playoff teams this year. I thought Orlando might be a little better than what they showed, and they may be down the road. I think Frank Vogel's going to get his system in place there. And Luke Walton's doing a tremendous job with the Laker team, getting them already the double-digit victories. But they've still got the, you know, they still got to learn some ropes because they're they're a young basketball team. But David Fisdale has really got this team playing um, at the highest possible level that they can now. They've got a difficult schedule coming up. So games like that, they feel like those are the ones we have to get. If we're going to hang in there and we're going to try to be in the postseason picture again, uh, we have to get those games uh, if we're going to be there is what he's basically told his teams. Now, here's the best stat of it all. In games, the close games this year, I guess you would say decided by six points or less or whatever it may be or uh, late in the game, they're 9-0. and they, they, they win games down the stretch where they have a chance when they lose. And it's like last year when they lost, they lost spectacularly. And when I mean spectacularly, I mean it's not fun for anybody around because you're getting thumped on by 20 or, or 30 or even you know less than that or even more than that, but usually double digits. But when the game gets close, they have really drawn up good plays and, and dug down deep and found ways to win. And that game uh, against Orlando Thursday night, they were down 14 with six and a half minutes to go. And everybody's kind of talked about Tony Allen, uh, their defensive specialist, being, you know, almost outdated for this league the way it's, the game's played now. All Tony did was come in and just absolutely wreak havoc on Orlando's offense: deflection, steals, running the floor, locking down whoever had the ball for Orlando. And at the point, it was uh, Evan Fournier who was having a big night. And it changed the complexion of the game. The Grizzlies ended up coming back and winning. He did the same thing against Lou Williams, who, after Allen got in early foul trouble Saturday night, just went bananas, has 40 off of the bench, which is relatively unheard of, as you know. And in the end of the game, he couldn't get a look because Tony Allen was his shadow. And there's still a place for him in terms of making plays like that. Now, there might be nights where you have to give him an extra night off because of his age and because of the way he plays, but man, it's, it's amazing to watch these guys fight and scratch and claw and, and the coach who's in his first year as a head coach 
draw up things that, that work and get you back in ball games and, and situations that you feel like this might be a loss tonight and they turn it around and find a victory. Obviously Tony Allen is 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 a big part of, of what you just you know, not only what you just described defensively, but the overall success. But Eric on the offensive end, um, with a lack of, I guess, a household name firepower, who is carrying the offensive load right now for Memphis? Well, Mark has been more aggressive. Mark Gasol is, is, and he's got to be. And, and David Fizdale challenged him when Mike Conley went down. That was a tough night last Monday, so a week ago tonight. Um, they weren't playing particularly well before the injury. Charlotte had uh, gotten on a good roll after the Grizzlies beat them the first time. And you could tell Charlotte wanted a little payback because the first time they met up, the Grizzlies were absolutely terrific in the first 24 minutes, had 69 first-half points and kind of hit Charlotte with a, a haymaker that they weren't expecting. And they came out locked in defensively and really moved the ball well. And during that game, David Fisdale on the bench even challenged him. He said, hey, look, if you want these guys to do something else, then be a leader. Be the leader of this team that I expect you to be. And that's the one thing he's done since he's come in. So Mark has taken it upon himself since those games, including the loss in Toronto, which was much closer than the 15-point deficit that it showed the Raptors really pulled away late in the third, early in the fourth because of their depth. Um, but Mark was was terrific in that game. And the guy that's emerged who was struggling, uh, and that's not even the, uh, that's an understatement to say just struggling. Troy Daniels was brought in to be a weapon, and he couldn't get a shot to go. He couldn't get in any sort of rhythm. He went into the game. This is, this is ironic. I mean, this is incredible to me. He went into the game, Sean, uh, seven games played, on Wednesday night with a total of 13 points, a total of 13 points. And I think two, two or three, three point shots made on the season. He scored 19 in that game Wednesday night and hit four threes. So he eclipsed his point total in one game and he eclipsed his three point shots made in one game. And we were like, Oh man, what a great way to break out. Hopefully you can follow it up the very next night, 19 points, three more threes. Then he gets to Saturday, 31 points, and hits more threes. And he's just on a tear right now. He's hit 13 threes in the last three games, and he's scored 69 points in those three games after scoring just 13 points in his first seven. And he's feeling the confidence, and, and David Fisdale has basically told him, just shoot it. If you got it and you feel like you're open, shoot it. And you can see that Troy Daniels is responding to that. And I, I've never in my – 15, now 16th season with the Grizzlies and three years before that in Sacramento, seeing a guy go from just really in the absolute worst shooting slump probably of his life to not being able to miss that quickly. Usually there's a little bit of a ramp up and he went from absolutely frigid to, you know, lava type hot in the blink of an eye. And it's, it's really helped. That's crazy. Crazy. Eric, look at tonight's game for me. What do you see? In, in this particular meeting between Memphis and New Orleans? Well, it's different. You know, I, getting Drew Holiday back, I thought for you guys was huge. Um, he, he, anytime you talk about the Pelicans, and, and I don't need to tell you this, you, there's one big factor that you've got to be very weary of, and that's Anthony Davis. And how will that matchup between Davis and Gasol go? And you know, the, the Pelicans over the years have done a good job of keeping Anthony away from Mark on the defensive end of the floor because Mark's a physical guy and can really, you know, put pressure on guys like that. So um, I, it's going to be interesting for me to see how Jermichael Green, if, if he gets stuck with Anthony Davis, defends him or how Anthony defends Jermichael Green because he's been playing really well as of late for the Grizzlies as well. And Kind of another unknown guy that fans may not remember from the University of Alabama. Maybe fans down here do because of the rivalry between LSU and Alabama. But um, he's played very well for us. Had a double-double the last time out. and uh, He's going to be a factor because he draws defenders away from the rim. So, uh, you know, you said it uh, in, in our conversations last night. If, if the Pelicans make shots, they, they win the game. And, and that's sometimes it's so simple in our game that, you just don't shoot the ball well or the looks that you get don't go. And, and we've seen that with the Grizzlies. That game a week ago Monday night, they were behind big to, to Charlotte, but they got a lot of good looks at the basket, just didn't make them. 
And if you're not making shots in this league, it can it can turn the wrong way in a hurry. Now, the Grizzlies by no means are an explosive offensive team like the Warriors or like the Clippers or like the Raptors or those teams that can hang 120 on you if you blink an eye. But they are better offensively than they've been, and they do use the three-point shot more than they ever have. So it'll be interesting to me to see tonight, and you know this as well as I do, when you have teams that did not play facing a team on the second night of a back-to-back, how do those legs hold up? Now, these are some of the best-conditioned athletes in the world. There's no way you can tell me an NBA player can't handle playing two games in one night, even with travel involved. But there is something to facing guys that are just as conditioned as you that are a little bit more rested as you. Now, if the Grizzlies come in and and think that that's going to be a factor and they overlook it, which sometimes teams will do, then they could get burned. If they come in and try to put pressure on very early, then that will be be a factor too. The Grizzlies have been plagued by slow starts in their losses this year. So if they come out and don't get rolling early and fall behind big, they've had the ability to be resilient and come back. But on the road, that's awfully difficult. So to me, the Grizzlies have to take care of the basketball. When they get out of rhythm offensively, it's generally because the rookies are trying to maybe do too much because you're behind. So take care of the ball. Uh, if you're missing, just keep firing away for, for the Grizzlies side. And, and for the Pelicans, you know, they've got to put pressure on, on the rookie guards. They've got to go right at guys like Andrew Harrison and Wade Baldwin when they're in the basketball game, not because they're not good players, but they're just a little bit inexperienced. And, you know, there, there's going to be nights where those rookie mistakes can mount up and you just hope that uh, that you can survive them. But a lot of times when they start mounting up too quickly, it's awfully tough to overcome. So I think it's going to come down to execution and, and really um, whether or not the Grizzlies can, can take the care of the basketball that they need to because they are not a team that can afford to turn it over 15 or 16 times. They have to be in that 11 to 13 to 14 turnover range and, and not give their opponents extra chances because they're not a great rebounding team. With Anthony Davis out there, there's a good chance the Pelicans will, will get a, a, some good opportunities at second-chance points. And if they do that and you're turning the basketball over, you're just giving away extra possessions, and it's awfully difficult to survive that in the NBA. Pelicans and Grizzlies tonight at 7 at the Smoothie King Center. Eric Hasseltine, the voice of the Grizzlies, our guest today. Eric, great conversation, but as both of you and I know, and I'll visit with you a little bit later again today, uh, what we think we know doesn't necessarily always happen, and that's why I guess the games are always good. <laughs> it, it's so. amazing, isn't it? You can walk into a game and think you've got it down. You can spend a couple of hours on each team in your prep work, and all of a sudden everything you've worked on, is you might as well just light it on fire. It, it's absolutely amazing sometimes in the NBA how you really think you know exactly how things are going to work, and it just doesn't play out. There was evidence of that for us Wednesday night. We, we thought they were going to go into Toronto just finding out the information that Mike Conley is out for a minimum of six weeks and a very good Raptors team and just get their doors blown off from the word go. Now, in the end, they lost by 15, but they were leading that game in the late third quarter. The Raptors got on a little run, and you could just see the Grizzlies kind of ran out of gas, but even the Raptors said we didn't expect them to hang around like that. They played really, really well and still had a lead despite the Raptors shoot, I think, shooting 54% in the first half. So uh, it's a wild game, but it's why we love it, and it's why it's always fun to go out to the, uh, to the arena and see a night of NBA action because you never know what you're going to get. No doubt, and I have a feeling we'll have the same scenario tonight with, uh, <laughs> with these two teams. There's, there's a good chance of that. Grizzlies have won six straight in this series, by the way. Uh, Tip-off again at 7 o'clock, and uh, we'll have it for you on the Pelicans Radio Network. Eric, as always, all the best to you and yours, and I appreciate your time today. Same to you, my friend. I will look forward to seeing you tonight at the Smoothie King Center. It's Guys Night Out. You and the crew head out to the club. Tonight is ladies' night, but there are no ladies in sight. Where are the ladies, bro? Then a bad batch of hot wings sends you sprinting to the bathroom. But it doesn't have to be this way. 
Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans. See Anthony Davis and the Pels face off against Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and the Golden State Warriors Tuesday, December 13th. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Hey, special thanks to our guest today here on the Black and Blue Report, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com, Eric Hasseltine of the Memphis Grizzlies, and uh, we're glad that uh, Daniel and uh, company were able to deliver Sean Payton to us on this Monday podcast as well. Tomorrow's Black and Blue Report uh, will be uh, the, the kind of the usual, uh, very steady Tuesday fair. We talk fantasy football with Jake Seeley, and also Jim Eichenhofer stops by from Pelicans.com to visit with your Tuesday host, Daniel Salerson. Hope you'll uh, take advantage of that opportunity tomorrow uh, as the podcast will be up for you uh, probably just after noon central on the Tuesday and available on iTunes, of course, and uh, Pelicans.com, NewOrleansSaints.com, and both of the two teams uh, mobile apps. Uh, as you full well know, Win dixie is a valued partner uh, with the New Orleans Saints. And uh, here this holiday season, uh, Win dixie wants to uh, welcome members of the greater New Orleans community to come mix and mingle with the New Orleans Saints players, the Saints-Sations, Gumbo, and other fan favorites in support of Second Harvest Food Bank. You know, one in six households in Louisiana are at risk for hunger. That is why Win dixie is stepping up to fight hunger uh, by donating five cents to local food banks like Second Harvest for every uh, Southeast Louisiana grocer's loaf of bread sold. Uh, SC Grocer's loaf of bread sold again for an entire year. Join Winn-Dixie and the New Orleans Saints in fighting hunger by supporting Second Harvest Food Bank, which provides 28 million meals to the community annually. So all you have to do is this. Come and have a great time. That's the first part. And please, if you don't mind, a simple donation of either five canned goods or $5 to benefit our local community. The event is tomorrow, tomorrow. So get it going here, gang. 5.30 to 7.30 at the Winn-Dixie store on Airline Drive right across the street from the uh, Saints and Pelicans practice facilities. Good stuff. So there you go. You've got Black and Blue Report tomorrow. You've got the event at Winn-Dixie tomorrow. And we will advance into a new week and hopefully start it with a Pelicans win tonight over the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll see you on the radio tonight, 6.30 Central, as Pelicans warm up with Daniel Salerson. John DeShazer and I will have the call for you as tip-off is scheduled for 7.10 p.m. tonight. Our network coverage begins at 7 p.m., straight up at the top of the hour. And there is television, too, tonight, courtesy of Fox Sports New Orleans. That'll do it for us on this Monday. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.